Let's pray together. Father, for the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the skies, for the love which from our birth over and around us lies. Lord of all, to Thee we raise this our prayer of grateful praise. In Jesus' name, Amen. It is so good to be back at Truett with you and thank you Dean Still and <clears throat> esteemed friends on the faculty uh, to the students. I was never a student here, but I remember um, in Salado, a group of pastors used to meet with Milton Cunningham, and he brought uh, President Herbert Reynolds and uh, Robert Sloan down one time, and they began to talk with us about a dream that they had, that there would be theological education for seminary students at Baylor University again, and that um, they were going to start a seminary. And I remember praying and dreaming that dream with them. And so in many ways, when I look out at you, at the students, I, I just want to say you're the answer to our prayers. And you are a dream come true. And after these years of faithful teaching of the Word of God and preparing ministers, we are grateful. I am um, grateful to have Joshua Barrett, his wife Laura, serving with us. We were trying to figure out last night which one is more indispensable to Tallowood, and we can't decide. I guess it is Laura then. I didn't want to embarrass Joshua because she's not here, but he's the seventh in a chain of interns who do two to three year internships, the seventh in a row from Truett, and each of them in their own way has been a tremendous blessing to our congregation and to me personally as they have walked with me. And thank you, Soul Fruit. Wow, thank you for these beautiful hymns. I love music in all of its forms, and these hymns have nurtured my soul through the years, and you have made them new to us today. And I thank God for you and for your ministry to us. And I was thinking about how life is a musical. Do you all sing? We could say from the time that uh, Genesis 4.21 tells us Jubal, whose brother Jabal was the first FFA brother, but Jubal was the first musician. And Job 38.7 says it goes back before that because the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy as God created the world. And it turns out, scientists tell us, the song goes on. So bioacoustics has revealed recently that every day we are surrounded literally by millions of ultrasonic and subsonic songs that are being sung by nature to our great God. So it turns out, who knew, the electron shell of a carbon atom produces the same harmonic scale as a Gregorian chant. And I was just wondering if Gregory knew that when he founded the chants. Or that whale songs can travel thousands of miles underwater. Or that meadowlarks have a range of 300 notes, and here I have only three. How can that be? So in some ways, all of creation is a musical, and it's like we didn't even know it. And I was just wondering, what part are we going to sing in the great musical 
of the ages. Would you open your Bibles with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 to 20. I want to think with you about songs that we sing. We've been immersed in community at Tallowood this year. Last year we talked about making disciples. This year about making relationships. Next year about making an impact. And at the end of this year, we've come to the one another's in the New Testament. And this is one of those. And would you stand with me in reverence for our God who speaks to us in His Word. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. The Apostle Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So the church of Jesus Christ is a singing church, and it turns out it goes way back. It goes way back. So we learn from the Gospel of John that, that they sang a hymn on that night after the Last Supper, and then they went out. And so we understand from the beginning the people of God have been a singing people, even before the New Testament. We go back to the Old Testament. And what we see is that the people of God always expressed their faith in music and that God received that and the Apostle Paul as he's talking about the new life that we live in Christ and we're putting off old and putting on new and God empowers us for this by filling us with his own spirit so the spirit of the living God inhabits the people of God and especially as we worship God inhabits the praises of his people he receives our songs and The Apostle Paul, writing to this church in Ephesus, says to them, so as you are being filled not with spirits, which can be depressants, but filled with the Spirit, which is, it turns out, a stimulant. As the Spirit of God stimulates you, you are always teaching each other. This parallels, doesn't it? Colossians 3. You're always teaching each other. You're always admonishing each other with wisdom as you are, um, he says, letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the way he says it in Colossians. And then in Ephesians, he says, let the Spirit, let the Spirit fill you. And in both cases, he's really talking about relationship with God. And in fact, it's an imperative, so be filled with the Spirit. It's plural, interestingly, so being filled with the Spirit is not just my own individual experience. It's the experience of the, of the people of God gathered together in worship. And it's a passive, so it's God who fills us. He wants, he, can you imagine that the God who fills everything in every way wants to fill us with His Spirit? And most importantly, it's present tense, so it's continuous action. I hear my Greek professors at Baylor and Southwestern and Baylor again saying to me, 
that, that present tense is continuous action. So being filled with the Spirit is not a, a one-time event in our lives, but it's a continuous experience of being filled with God, being filled to overflowing with God. And how do we know we're filled with God? Well, one of the ways we know is that we sing to each other and with each other. And another way is that we submit to each other in all of our relationships as he unfolds it in the rest of chapter 5 and in chapter 6. So, so singing and submitting always went together, which makes the last century or so of division about music within the church a bit of an anomaly, I would say, so that if you're going to submit to one another, it makes sense that we would sing each other's songs and maybe the question for us because I'm sure there are musicians in our midst we have musicians in my family my wife for instance plays the piano and the organ there are musicians in my family I'm not one of them but I'm I'm grateful for them but there are musicians in our midst so we we may be able to sort of delineate the group today by those who can sing and those who can't sing but Paul says that's not the question the question is not whether you can sing the question is do you have a song Because if you have a song, then regardless of your skill level, you have an offering to make to God. So sing to one another, speak to one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And from the beginning, it turns out that the worship of God's people was participatory and it was celebrative and it was didactic. So exactly the words that we sing teach You've been teaching us this morning. And we teach each other every time we we sit beside each other at Tallowood as we were building our new worship center. We decided to spend extra money uh, and make, uh, make curved pews. Because I wanted the person who was sitting here not just to be in a straight line with others who were singing, but to be in community so that they could actually, if they, with their peripheral vision, looked left and right, they would see somebody else was singing on each side of them so that we knew that we were in it together. So one question we might ask is, with whom do we sing? And he says, it's with one another. So there's something about corporate worship. When we begin to sing together, something good happens. Paul is implying that not only all of creation, but but even in worship, somehow we are joining the great song of creation, the great song of redemption we're joining in that and and singing together and who knew we were in a musical remember when Les Miserables came out a few years ago in the movie form the most recent example of that and one of our ministers one of our young ministers went and he came back and he said I knew something was wrong at the start of the movie when when Russell Crowe started singing to Hugh Jackman he said it was like, okay, I got the gladiator uh, singing to Wolverine. Something's wrong with this. This cannot be right. Sometimes we're surprised that we're in the middle of a musical. My wife and I years ago, I think uh, it was probably when we lived in Austin, went to see a movie called Evita. I knew it was about Argentina. I didn't know, for instance, that it was a musical until every, nobody said anything, but everybody sang everything. And finally, about five minutes in, I leaned over to Melanie and I said, this is a musical and she said, let's get out of here. We were surprised to be in a, in a musical and we didn't know. And maybe sometimes when we come to worship, we don't feel like singing. We don't, we, 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 the last thing we want to do is sing. We'd rather watch somebody else sing. But the truth is, in corporate Christian worship, we, we can sing 
to each other and we can sing with each other. What we can't do is sing for each other because nobody can offer our worship to God except us. So he says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and and spiritual songs. And when we do, we remind each other of the truth that we believe. So for instance, that's, that's why you sometimes forget your relatives' birth dates, but you cannot forget the theme to Gilligan's Island. That's why, because, because somehow when we put things to music, there's research on this that's been done recently. A, a young man named Thought gave some thought to this at Colorado State, and he says our, our brains like to put things in categories and groupings, and music actually facilitates that process, and that's why, why we could try to teach our children forever and ever the, the 26 letters of the alphabet, but when we started putting it to music, A, B, C, D, E, F, then they got it, because music enables that and facilitates that. It helps us to remember and I remember that every time I drive by Truett Seminary and I see the, the word Baugh on the sign, because I had the privilege of pastoring John and Eula May Baugh after they gave the money to build these beautiful buildings. And in her later years, Eula May began, as many of us do, to lose her memory. She forgot names of people. She forgot events. She forgot things that she was supposed to do. Eventually, she forgot how to speak. But I would see her sit at the back of our worship center. And when we began to sing, all the words of the hymns that she had learned over a lifetime as the daughter of a pastor, as a servant of God, they all came flooding back. She couldn't remember my name, her family members' names, but she could not forget the lyrics of the hymns because they were imprinted on her mind because They were impressed on her soul. And they stayed with her. And when we sing, we remind each other in this world that God is still with us. That God is still working among us. And I need to be reminded of that. And I suppose we all do. Just yesterday, we came up early for Diana Garland's funeral. What a remarkable memorial service that was. And can I just confess, I've been a preacher lifelong, but... but but it's always been music that moved me. It's always been music. And as we, as we were singing there yesterday, and we were, we were singing that it was well with our souls, it really became well with our souls. So what we sang became the reality in which we lived. We weren't feeling well when we walked in. I can assure you of that. But one after another came forth feeling that it was well, it's, it's, what has happened is not well, it's, it's, not, it's not good, and yet it was well with, with our souls. And when, uh, when the, the choir had the last word, and they said, love divine, all loves excelling, and just, just the beautiful thought that, that someday from glory to glory, till we see God's face and we'll lay our crowns at His feet, full of wonder, love, and grace, and that just was a healing moment for me. I told Dean Still last night at supper that when Wordus Gideon passed away at Southwestern Seminary, I had been his grader and he had been one of my favorite professors. And when he, he suddenly died, I was, I was spiritually speechless. My wife says it's never happened before or since, but for two or three days, two or three days, I did not utter a word. 
my guilt got together with my grief, and that's an, that's an ugly concoction. And as, as we went up to the rotunda where, where we gathered for worship there at Southwestern in those days, and, and when I walked in and I heard the people begin to sing songs that you sang this morning, Blessed Assurance, there was healing for me with people I didn't even know standing around me, but we all knew the song and the words. We had a song and we shared it together. And what, and, and what we sing with each other, and what, and what will we sing? Well, well, Paul says we sing a variety of music. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so it has always been with the people of God. So um, Dr. Wiles said years ago, I've never forgotten, he said about music, we know what we like and we like what we know. And that, that leads to some of the divisions, I think, because we think everybody ought to like what we like and ought to know what we know, and that leads to some of the, the conflict. But even in the first century, twice when Paul writes about this to the churches, he, he, he shows us that there was diversity. So there was, after all, a hymn book of the Old Testament called the Psalms. And the, the New Testament church did not forsake those Psalms, but they, but they held on to them because they moved them. Eugene Peterson says, this is the way the people of God have learned to pray. I know it's the way that I learned to pray. Some, somebody traveling through Germany at some retreat that I attended as a teenager said, you ought to read a psalm every day. And I started at the age of 13, and now I'm 53, and I can't live a day without reading a psalm because the psalms provide the rhythm of my personal worship, which feeds into my corporate worship. So I worship God all week long and I read a psalm every day. I mean, it's, it's more important than the yogurt I eat. It's, it's like the first thing of the day is just to start with a psalm. Before, before I turn on any of the news networks, I know I need news from another network. And so I tap into this rich, beautiful tapestry of faith recorded in the psalm. So, so every January 1st and every June 1st, and this year on October 28th, so we, we come back again and again and again to the Psalms. And as we read the Psalms, God begins to speak into our souls. How blessed is the man who doesn't walk or stand or sit. And, and he meditates in God's Word day and night. And he's like a tree. And as I was just jogging this morning along the Brazos, which by the way is short for Brazos, De Dios. It's Brazos' arms. Brazos de Dios is the arms of God. That was the original name of this river. And I was jogging along beside the arms of God this morning, feeling like I was in the arms of God when I saw a tree planted by a stream of water. And it was so incredibly healthy. And I said, God, make us like that. Make us live like that. Psalm 23 comes in handy by streams of water. When we walk as, as this whole community at Baylor is walking through the valley of the shadow of, of Diana's death, we are not alone. The Lord is with us. He's shepherding us, Psalm 23 says. Don't forget Psalm 27, which says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I, I lived in Martin Dormitory 409, I'm pretty sure Psalm 42 got me through that year. 1,600 miles away from my family, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. And O, o verse 11, um, why art thou, this is King James, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why so disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. 
when the towers came tumbling down and our sanctuary was filled with people who just wanted to pray on 9-11, I couldn't think of anything but Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble when I sin. Psalms 32 and 51 remind me that God can create in me a clean heart. No sense trying to conceal it, Psalm 32, but, but, but Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. On a playground in Great Falls, Montana, on a Sunday morning that my mother had signed me up to preach, I opened up Psalm 63, O God, You are my God. Early, earnestly will I seek You. And I was reminded of that. I've been memorizing recently Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26. I think Dr. Tucker's writing a new commentary on, on the Psalms. And he's starting volume 2 with Psalm 73. And when he said that yesterday, I just thought, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 90 reminded us yesterday that God has always been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were formed. In Psalm 91, if we, if we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, we will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 100, shout for joy all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Psalm 103 will get you through Thanksgiving this year. If you read it, it'll get you through just, just all the benefits that are ours in Christ. In Psalm 118, when a young man from our church almost jumped off a tower at a university in another state. And I was, I was learning at that time Psalm 118, verses 13 and 14. I was pushed back and about to fall. But the Lord helped me. The Lord helped me. He is my strength and my song. And He has become my salvation. Psalm 119, Psalm 121. I was sitting on the steps of a church that my three great-grandfather founded in Tazewell, Tennessee. Eureka! I found the church that my great-great-great-grandfather had founded. There hadn't been any Baptists in the Brooks line between me and him, so it was good to find him. And I found him actually in the Waco Library of all places when I was a student. And I drove up there and I sat down on those steps and I watched the sunset over the 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 Cumberland Mountains there in northern Tennessee. And I thought, so, so a century ago, my great-great-great-grandfather watched that same sun set over those same mountains and that same forest. And I thought, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. If I could just challenge you to do one thing today, if I could just ask you to do one thing, it would be this. To read a psalm every day for the rest of your life. As long as you live. You can join me. I'm on Psalm 143 today. I start on, on Psalm 1 on January 1. And I read through Psalm 65. or in leap year, Psalm 66. And then on January 1, it's Psalm 1. And I just want to encourage you to do that. Because we have the psalms. And when we know them, we can share them with others. And then we have the, the hymns, the, the beautiful hymns. And we were talking about the, the hymn book. And Dr. Olson told me that you, in his theology class, sing the hymns that relate to what you're free from the law. Oh, happy condition. Jesus has bled and there is remission. I was reading David Lyle Jeffrey's book about spirituality in the ages of the Wesleys recently, and he talks about the preachers, and I love the preachers, but again, it's been about the music for me. And so I was reading about Isaac Watts, 
And how through the ages, when God has done something extraordinary, there's always been a resurgence of corporate worship through music. And Isaac Watts, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. And Peter Bueller said, if I had a thousand tongues, I would use them all to sing to God. And Charles Wesley said, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Where would we be on Easter without Christ the Lord is risen today? Or at Christmas, come thou long expected Jesus. And amazing grace. And, and William Cooper who battled depression but wrote, God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. There are psalms and there are hymns. And then, then the Spirit is still giving songs to His people if we'll receive them. And so we sing this variety of music. And here's the point. We sing it together to God. And it's interesting as he describes it. He, he says, your, your, plural, heart, singular. In other words, somehow when the people of God begin to sing in our heart to God, we're no longer several hearts, but, but we're one heart. The University of Göttingen in, in Sweden recently studied a, a high school choir and they put uh, monitors on their hearts and discovered that when the choir began to sing together, their hearts literally began to synchronize and beat together. I bet that happens when you all are singing as well. That there's this, and what happens is your hearts get together and then our hearts get together and we all begin to beat together as one. This is the work of the Spirit among His people as we sing and as we worship Him. And it's all about gratitude. You really see it in the Colossians passage one, two, three times. It's about thanks and, and gratitude and giving thanks to God. And it's all about gratitude to Him. And I was just wondering how it's possible that the very vehicle that was given to us to express gratitude has become such an object of grumbling. It's a paradox, isn't it? And God gives us songs so that we can express our gratitude to Him. Because as Shakespeare said, how sharper than a serpent's tooth is a thankless child. And I don't want to be a thankless child. To the Father who has been so good to me. So we sing. Or we ought to sing. Because we have a song. We had a beautiful choir assembled between Congress and Union Station in Washington, D.C. And they were setting up on those terraces that sort of cascade down to Union Station. Our choir, a hundred and something voices. We were on a tour and they were about to sing. And I was there and I needed a bottle of water. I know it's mundane right before the marvelous, but I, I decided to go get a bottle of water. And I'm just walking down the steps and they're warming up and they're singing these beautiful songs. And it's just echoing through our nation's capital. I mean, it was marvelous. And then I got down to Union Station. I got my bottle of water. And as I was walking out, there was a Korean missionary there with a microphone and a speaker and he was singing because God had sent him to the United States as a missionary to call the people of America back to God and he wasn't preaching he was singing and he was singing this song redeemed 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 by the blood of the lamb redeemed his child and forever I am. As the songwriter put it, I, I'll tell you why I sing. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. You too? Then by all means, sing. Can I pray over you a benediction today?
It's from Zephaniah. Let's stand together before we're dismissed. And this is what Zephaniah wrote. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In His love, He will no longer rebuke you. But He will rejoice over you. With singing. In Jesus' name, amen.